Okay, here we go. James chapter 1. Can we please look at that if we can, please? James chapter 1. Tonight, I want to speak to you. We're taking a, a few weeks uh, in this uh, end of 2023, the beginning of 2024, to talk a little bit about uh, concepts from the book of Proverbs. And I'm very excited about it. I think there's some things we talked about children last week. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about wisdom. Wisdom is a main topic in the book of Proverbs. It's only mentioned 26 times. There are 31 chapters, and it's mentioned 26 times, three times in the first chapter, and then three times in the eighth chapter of Proverbs. But wisdom is definitely an important a concept in the book of Proverbs and throughout our Bible. Jesus is personified, is wisdom in Jesus. You can almost, where you see wisdom, you can almost put Jesus there. And he is the personification of wisdom. And we're going to learn a little bit about that. But James chapter 1 is a New Testament uh, reference to wisdom. And let's look there if we can, please, uh, together with us and begin with verse number 1. James, the servant of God and our Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. So, James is the, uh, we believe him to be, the uh, brother of Jesus. He and Jesus grew up in the same house. Obviously, he was younger than Jesus. Jesus was uh, the firstborn son of Mary, and uh, it would be Joseph's son. Also, the one who wrote the book of Jude is, is believed to be also a brother of Jesus. They shared the same mother, but obviously different fathers. And so, uh, but James was, uh, whenever the first pastor of the church at um, at Jerusalem was killed, and that is, I think, is James, one of the first um, uh, disciples there, the brother of John, when he was beheaded. It looks like James became the main uh, go-to man. He over, oversaw the council in Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem council. He was the man in charge, and looks like later on, whenever the disciples came and they had, uh, uh, when Paul came to give money uh, to the church, he potentially was still the pastor at that time. But he was a hard hitter, and he didn't, didn't, didn't you know, beat around the bush. Uh, he definitely challenged God's people, Jewish people in particular, who were suffering, going through difficult times. And basically, his whole theme is, you've got to grow up. You've got to, you've got to mature. And maturity is shown and it's grown through several ways. He'll talk about, you show your maturity, you grow in maturity through through your view of the scriptures in chapter one, how you treat other people and how you interact with other people. You can tell a lot about someone's spiritual maturity is how they re respond and how they act around other Christians. And he told them in chapter two, he said, you know, if a man comes in and he doesn't smell good, he's a homeless man. And you say, look, can you just sit out in the lobby? But then you have someone that comes in a nice suit or someone comes in, looks nice. Oh, come over here and you sit in the front. He said, that, that's not, that doesn't go well with God. He's not a respecter of persons. He said, I don't want you doing that. And how to treat people with equity and love all people, even people you disagree with. It is shown in that passage of Scripture. Uh, we show our maturity by our service. It's where he says in chapter 2, if you have faith, well, show your faith by your works. He said, every Christian ought to, be a, ought to be a servant. Every member ought to be a minister. Every saint ought to be a servant doing something. You say you're saved? Well, live it out. Live it out. Do something. He tells us you'll grow up. You'll show maturity and you'll grow maturity by doing things. 
As people grow in their, in their physical life, their mom and dad give them responsibilities. You don't want someone having to pick your shirt out for you when you're 19, 20, 25 years old. After a while, we don't want to have to have mom and dad take the garbage out if we, there's children that can learn how to do that. You know, there's, there's things they need to do to carry their weight. And he says the same thing there. In chapter 3, he says you show maturity by your talk, how you handle your tongue. Is your tongue, it can be, it's made to build up and to direct, like a bit in the horse's mouth or a helm of a ship at the back of the ship that directs the ship. That's what a tongue should do. It should give direction and help to people. Instead, it can be a fire in a world of iniquity. It can cause all kinds of damage and hurt and destroy people. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That guy wasn't uh, thinking right. He had rooms for rent upstairs, unfurnished, <laughs> because sticks and stones do hurt you, but words hurt you worse. And it's a, it's a terrible thing. Be careful how you use your tongue, how you, uh, how you uh, adapt spiritual wisdom versus earthly wisdom. In chapter 4, we show maturity by submitting to God and His authorities. He talks about uh, a lot of people live worldly lives because they're rebellious. That's it. There's a love problem. He said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Why do you have arguments with one another? Because, because you're not willing to submit to one another. They named a street after us one way. <laughs> and we have to have it our way. And he said, that's, that's a problem. That shows immaturity. He said, he said in chapter 4, he says, you adulterers and you adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity against God. And whoever is a friend of the world is not a friend of God. You can't, you can't have it both ways. And a lot of times worldliness is a matter of a, of a, of a, of a, a rebellious spirit. I'm not going to submit. I am not going to put away that, that wrong music. I'm going to watch this movie if I want to watch it. I'll wear this if I want to wear it. I'll go there if I want to go there. And it's really the worldliness is not about the world, although it has a strong pull. It's about a, a failure to submit to God's spiritual impulses in our hearts and lives. So true. And then chapter 4 we show our maturity by understanding that life is short. What is your life? It is even a vapor. And whenever people live for the, for the short term, they show immaturity. When people are all nervous about what's going to happen the next 30, 30 years and not thinking about the next million years. Not, they're not laying up for themselves. They're not setting their affectionate things about. It shows immaturity because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Yeah. We're strangers and pilgrims here. He doesn't want us to. Just like I got on the airplane this morning, I didn't put curtains up and pictures of the family all over the wall. No, I was on that plane. For, I thought I was, I was on there a lot longer than I wanted to be on there. However, I, I, I knew I was just on there for a little bit. I'm not going to put all, all my, I'm not going to put trappings up on that little, that little seat I was in because I'm just sitting there for a little while. I'm just going through one place to another place. And to some extent, that's how God wants me to think as a mature Christian. And then he says in chapter, chapter 5, he said, uh, you rich men weep and howl for the misery that's going to come upon you. And because we save too much, we let money make us mean and, and proud and arrogant we, let, we start living for pleasure like an ox that just gets fatted up just to die. And we treat people. We don't, we're not honest with paying our, de our, our debts and our bills, so we should do. He said, one day, boy, your money is going to be a witness against you. And he says that maturity is, is handling money with wisdom. 
And then it goes on to mature Christians are shown and grown by their steadfastness to keep going under obstacles. When things are not going good, they just keep going. And they wait for the latter rain. They wait for things to come. Like the farmer, he doesn't go out in, in June and say, man, this is terrible. I haven't got one bean off this property yet. Well, it doesn't, you don't get beans in June. You get them in August. In June, you just get heat. <laughs> in July, you just get hot. You just got to weed and you got to water and you got to take care of it. And wait for what God is going to do later. And so many of us were short-sighted. And it shows our immaturity. Shows our lack of wisdom. And then, of course, it talks about prayer. That's where in the passage we show our maturity by our attitude about prayer. It's where he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then lastly, it talks about soul winning. He said, if you see someone err from their way and you don't help them, if you do help them, you, you cover a multitude of sins. You know, when someone gets saved, it's the thing that slows down the, the wickedness of our society. You know, salvation can take a drunk and sober him up so he doesn't hurt his wife and kids anymore. And he can use his money for their benefit, not for his own intoxication. Salvation can change a pervert into someone who can, who can see things clearly and purely. Salvation's a thing, you know, that, that can fix the most, the most filthy mouth man or woman. And change them drastically. Can make a marriage, it's all messed up. Salvation can fix it. And when you do that, you can cover a multitude of sins. And of course, James is saying, look, you got to grow up. you got to mature in your spiritual walk. But one of the ways that God helps us to grow to maturity and to show maturity is how we handle problems. And we'll look at that verse number two, would you please look at James 1, 2. The Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or different kind of temptations or trials. He said, when you have problems, uh, different kind of problems, count it all joy. I don't know about you, but that's not my first response to problems. I think I'm allergic to pain. <laughs> when I have a problem, here's my first mentality. How can I get out of this problem yesterday? And I want to transition out of problems. And God says, count it all joy when you come to different problems. Because problems, not for the problem itself. I mean, when the doctor says, you've got cancer, that's a problem. Brother Penn's heard that recently. Brother Royal heard that. Miss Sue's heard that. Brother Wes heard that. Some other folks have heard that. Some folks are going to hear it over the next few months in this room. No doubt. I might have it in my body. You might have it in your body. We don't know. But when I have a problem, he says, look, it's not a time to start sulking and complaining. It's a time to say, okay, what is God going to do here? Because a trying of our faith worketh what? Patience. Now, patience isn't just like, okay, I've got to sit and wait. Patience is strength to keep going so you can help somebody else. It means when you have another problem, you have strength enough to take that problem on. And let patience have her perfect work. You can look in the Bible and see it real quickly in verse number four. But let patience have her perfect work. Once again, the word perfect, another word for that is maturing work. Let patience have its mature, I mean, work inside of us that we may be perfect, mature, and entire, have all that we need, wanting nothing. Now, how do I handle problems? Number one, I, I thank God for what, what he's going to do through the problem. Number five, uh, verse number five, read it out loud with me. Everybody ready together? James 1, verse number five, ready? If any of you lack wisdom, 
that give it to all men liberally and abradest not. Boy, there's a beautiful verse here. He said, and by the way, the most important thing we need in problems is wisdom. I want to, and by the way, wisdom is handling things the way God wants them handled. There's a way that seemeth right to us. Well, you can get lots of opinions when you're going through a problem. But when you're going through your problem, what you want to know, first of all, that God can work through a problem. He can bring patience and help when I trust him and let him do his perfect, perfecting work in us. Number two, I need to know how God wants me to handle this. And that's what wisdom is. Wisdom is pinpointing and practicing God's principles on how to, what to do. Um, the Bible tells us knowledge. That's, that's, that's what. Wisdom is how. Understanding is why. And you'll see those trios oftentimes in the book of Proverbs. Knowledge, that's information. There's a lot of people who have a lot of information up here, but they can't run a hot dog stand. They know, they, they, there's people, I, I, my, my wife was just watching a, a documentary on someone the other day, just a one, one person, and so smart, so beautiful, so talented, and yet couldn't, but was married and divorced three times. And ended her life alone. Smart, smart, smart. Did the, did the person have a lot of information? They had as much money, she could get as much as education she wanted, she could get any kind of professional help she wanted. She, she knew what, she knew information, she didn't know how to put it into play. And you know, that's, that's wisdom. Wisdom is, put, is knowing what to do in a given situation. And then understanding is why we do it. So knowledge is what, not, uh, wisdom is how, and, and understanding is why. And by the way, those are all things that God wants us to know. You may not know everything, why about everything, but this is, he says, okay, when a problem comes, thank God for what he's going to do in the problem. He's going to do something inside of me, inside of you. Number two, pray for wisdom in the middle of your problem. Say, God, help me know how I'm supposed to handle this, this problem. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. So you want to make it a prayer. You know, usually problems do something very weird to me and you. They make us humble. They, they create a helplessness in us. And it, it, it causes us to pray. You know, when everything's good, the reason we don't pray is because we got it all going on. You know when we'll start praying? When it's our baby in the hospital. When it's our loved one in the emergency room. When it, a, a need has come beyond our abilities to know what to do with it. Then... We begin to pray. And here's our prayer. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom about what we're supposed to do here. And God says, if you do it, I'm not going to rebuff you. I'm not going to say, get out of here. Figure it out. You got yourself in this mess. You figure it out. He says, no, no, I'm not going to do that. He says, he'll not upbraid you. But he says, when you ask for wisdom, let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. He said, trust God that he's going to help you with that. And then the last thing I'll real quickly give to you, then we want to bounce over to the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. Look at verse number 12, would you? Could you read out loud with me? James 1, verse number 12, everyone. Blessed is the man that endureth for when he is tried. So praise God for what he's going to do. Pray for wisdom in the middle of it, and then keep going. <laughs> Blessed is the man that does what with trials? What's verse 12 say? 
endureth. He goes through them. And when he's tried, he received, you know, God never wastes trials. I can waste them and you can waste them. But if we'll keep going through them with wisdom and, and understanding that God's doing something bigger than what we, that, that's not fun. Remember the coach saying to you as you run wind sprints or suicides, no pain, no. Well, I couldn't stand that thing. I didn't like hearing that. Matter of fact, when I was a coach, I never said that. My, my coach said to me, no pain, no gain. I said, coach, no, no pain, no pain. <laughs> you know, and he, he didn't like that idea. So he, uh, he helped me run even more after that smart out comment. But the truth of the matter is, it's really true. When you go through difficult times, you strengthen to be able to take on another difficult time with the wisdom of God and the grace of God to keep going through it and the rewards of God long term. Proverbs chapter 8. Can we turn there, please? Proverbs chapter 8. Just got a few moments and we'll, we'll pick up this again on another Wednesday evening. Proverbs chapter 8. And I would encourage you to make sure that you try to read, maybe especially in these next couple months. Let's read the book of Proverbs every day, church family. Uh, tomorrow is the 7th of December. Read chapter 7 tomorrow. It's going to give you a narrative about a young man who, who uh, finds his way in a wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people going down a wrong path. That would be a good one to read tomorrow. And uh, Brother Bushy preached a good message today on purity out of the college. And, and uh, I, I think it's, it's so important that we be pure. And boy, Solomon wanted him to get that. Uh, on Friday, read chapter 8 that we're going to talk about right now. Then on Saturday, read 9. Find the day of the month and read that chapter. Maybe as a family, going to school or going to work or listen to it on your phone. But uh, let, let a, let a, uh, let's just do that together as a church family. And we can be wiser in that way. Chapter 8 of, of Proverbs, the Bible says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice. She standeth at the top of the high places by the way of the places of the path. She crieth at the gates, that's the, that's the place of authority, at the entry end of the city, at the coming of the doors. O you, uh, sorry, unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is the sons of man. And then look at verse number five. Read it with me, would you please? O ye simple, understand wisdom. So wisdom is crying out and trying to get the attention of everybody, but especially the simple one and even the fool. He said, don't, don't rebuff it. You know, in, in the Bible, you have, you, in the book of Proverbs, you have a wise person and then you have a simple person. The simple guy's in the middle. He just, he just doesn't know. And then over here, you got a fool. A fool is someone who just, who just detests and despises God's way. He doesn't really have an interest in doing things God's way. I, by the way, you don't want to be in that group right there. And in between uh, a, 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 a simple person and a fool, you often have a scorner. You have somebody who's just a, a, a scornful person. Negative, always a devil's advocate, always trying to, to, to get someone from the simple over here to a foolish position. But over here, we have wisdom. Wisdom's on the polar opposite of, of, of being a fool. By the way, like Job, who went through a, a, probably the worst trial than anybody I know outside of Jesus. And in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God how? Foolishly. He had wisdom for his trial. 
And God commended him for that. So you, you didn't, even though you're going through a difficult time, you didn't handle like a fool. You didn't defy my principles. You embrace my way of doing things. And I think it's so wise that we do that. Now, simple uh, wisdom's crying out. It says, hey, you got, you got to come. You got to come our way. Come this direction. He's trying to get everybody's attention when they're walking in and out. He's saying, you guys come. You know, oh, simple ones. You fools that despise it. You need to listen to me. Now, look at verse number six, if we can, please. Here, for I will speak excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. And once again, excellent things, right things. And uh, these, are, these are things I think are very important. Young men and, uh, and all of our conversation, we're going to ask ourselves, is what I just said an excellent thing? Is it a right thing? He said, wisdom is going to be shown, really, you can usually tell a fool if you listen to him. He said, the lips of a fool uh, will, will reveal what kind of a person you and I are, whether we're a fool or a wise person. The Bible says a wise person is kind of like a deep well. He's not just someone just, just come up and just barf all over you. He doesn't just come and give his whole, whole mindset to you. A wise person kind of holds it in. He's prudent. He thinks about when he should say what he should say. A fool utters all of his mind. He gives his opinion about everything. He wants to know all the dirt. He wants to know all the difficulty. He, he wants to give his opinion about that. It's a foolish activity. And he says, excellent things, right things. Look at the next verse, if we can, please. Verse number eight. I'm sorry, verse number seven. For thy mouth shall speak of truth, and wickedness is an abomination in my lips. See, I want to say things that are right, say things that are excellent, and say things that are true. Now, years ago, I think there's a guy named Kepler, but he came up with the, the little thing of think. T-H-I-N-K. Think before you talk. Number one, T, is it true? Whatever I'm going to say, is it true? Okay? And just because it's true doesn't need me, I have to say it. H, would it help the situation or the person I'm speaking to? So is it true? And will it help them? What I'm going to say, could it inspire or edify someone? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for the use of what? Edifying, building up. Will this build up someone or is it tear down someone? I heard a lady say one time about her husband, he doesn't beat me up, he beats me down. He doesn't beat me up, he beats me down. Boy, sometimes words, people can say the most hurtful things with no seeming no accountability. Somebody just they can say whatever they want to say if it's on their heart and they need this thought. Is it true? Is what I'm going to say helpful? Will it inspire? And is it needful? Do I really need to say this? Well, so, so many times I wish I would not have said something. I think the Spirit of God alarmed me. John, don't say it. Don't say it. I just kept pushing, pushing. Then I said it, and I wish I wouldn't have said it. Is it needful? And then can I say it in a kind way? T, true. H, helpful. I, inspirational or uplifting. Need, N, is it needful? K, can I say it in a kind way? You know, the Bible says speaking the truth, how? In love. In a gracious way. Sometimes we need to say some things that are very firm. We can still say them with the right way, I think, if, we'll, if we have lips of wisdom. But we're not going to speak on a wickedness. Let's look at a couple more verses and we'll conclude and pick it up next week. Verse number eight. All the words of my mouth uh, are in righteousness. I say the right thing. 
By the way, you'll see it'd be a good exercise whenever you read your Bible to underline or highlight any word that has right as its, um, as its root word. Right, righteous, righteousness. You'll be amazed that God's word majors heavily upon the word right. Uh, even in the why God gave us the scriptures, he said all scriptures give inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in. Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his. Yeah. Uh, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. It's peace. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. One of the things that God's going to oftentimes, you're going to be accountable for this. And I will too. I'll be accountable for the things written in this book. And, and, and did I do the right thing? I heard someone say, nothing's ever settled till it's settled right. Nothing's ever settled right till it's settled right with God. God settles it. What, what is God's way of doing this? And of course, that is an act of wisdom. He said, all my, all my talk is of righteousness, and there is nothing forward or perverse in my words. Verse number nine. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that find knowledge. Now, verse number 10 and 11, read it out loud with me. We'll conclude with these two thoughts. Ready? Receive my instruction, not... For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things that they may be desired. He said, uh, I want you to know the value of wisdom. When you read chapter 4, Proverbs... Uh, Daddy is telling his son, look, you've got to value wisdom. You've got to buy the truth. Don't sell it. Get, value wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing, he's telling him. Number two, you have to abstain from bad influences. And then number three, you have to be pure in your heart and, and pure in your morals and pure in your motives. He said, guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. And he's going to tell them, wisdom is a paramount attribute. You can't afford to live without it. And if you'll read the rest of the chapter, and I hope you will, on, uh, on Friday, at least all of us together, read it at home. But you'll, you'll see some attributes of wisdom. I'd like for you to you do that. Maybe you can bring your cake next Wednesday night, and we'll put some icing on it. But uh, we'll learn some things together. Let's pray together. Can we?